Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Shane Embry of Napalm Death, and we have a delightful chat. And it's a real surprise. Uh, the, the, the record that we talk about today, I think when I first heard that I was going to be interviewing Shane, I did not think we'd be discussing some of the music that we do. But that's the beauty of music. And and we have a lovely discussion about some fantastic records. And, and, and he's such an interesting guy. And uh, I'm really looking forward to his here in this episode and it's coming very soon very very soon but just quickly i have to do some thank yous uh, and i'd like to thank the team at blue murder club podcast uh, they produce this this uh, here podcast and in their own right they're a fantastic podcast it's a true crime podcast and uh, and they've had some fantastic guests as well and uh, some you may well recognize from the archives of this podcast so go check that out at blue murder club podcast uh, also big thanks to scroobius pip um, it's Mr. Pippi Kins that, that, that got me on this, this podcast journey, which was a, a happy accident that's completely changed the sort of course of my life, really. And, and that's led me to, to do Pod Bible, the magazine with, with Scroob. And it's, it's podcasting's my, pretty much my, my full time job now. And, uh, and it's, it's been such a glorious, uh, journey and, and, and no more so than, than off the beaten track, which has, uh, seen me interview well over 500 people that, so many of which have been like people that I've grown up listening to or watching or or laughing at when I've gone to see them play their you know their stand up shows and stuff and and so basically if you are new to this podcast as I've just alluded to there there's over 500 episodes with all your favorite comedians actors musicians DJs producers I won't list them because I've been so lucky you know some of the most famous rock bands in the world you know all of your your great comedians and uh, and some absolute heavyweights of the uh, of the acting industry. So go explore that back catalogue after you've listened to today's episode. Um, I'd love it if you could support the podcast because I do this for love. There's 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 no money involved in this podcast. I have no sponsors on this podcast, um, and and so you know if you enjoy this and you'd like to support it, um, I, I put together a Patreon and. And it's a quid a month. Well, it's not even a quid, it's a dollar. So it's less than a pound a month. Um, and that's not just to support the podcast, but I give you lots of stuff as well over there. So if you um, if you do become a patron and you pay that that dollar, you get um, you get to watch all the episodes. I put the videos up uh, so you can get to watch all the episodes. Um, I put up loads of mixtapes. Uh, there's a huge archive of 
of radio shows and, and of unreleased episodes. Um, and I also do a monthly hanger um, on Zoom where all the patrons come along and we talk about um, you know our favourite albums and things like that. And it's it's certainly not a, a you know a too cool for school thing. It's it's you know there's some super embarrassing records in there, and uh, and and we chat a different subject each month. And it's such a lovely bunch. And, uh, and I'd love for more years to come along and and experience that. And uh, and that that ticket to that all comes within you your dollar a month so i know we're, times are tough but if you can spare uh 79p a month then uh that supports the podcast and gets you all that extra stuff as well um and so you can find out about that um and everything else uh uh off the beat and track podcast.com that's off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast.com let's get on with it please enjoy today's episode of off the beat and track podcast with napalm death it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him okay we are recording shane how are you today uh not so bad mate a little gray over here in uh, birmingham um you know took the kids to school running around like a maniac all that stuff and uh, yeah just trying to make sense of the day which is well, it started already, yeah. Well, yeah. it's Friday, so that's the end of the week. That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. Yeah, can be, yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, we always start the podcast by um, jumping straight into the playlist, and uh, and we start that um, by asking you what song you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, mate. Um, well, all these it's always hard, these kind of questions, but I would say from... I guess through the years, from one, you know, getting into music earlier on, but Stargazer by Rainbow for me, just because it's that crazy, uh, cozy power drum intro, you know, and you know, small village where I grew up and stuff, and summertime at my mate's house, you know, his mom used to, because they're from Birmingham originally, so his mom would go there to see 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 uh, his. Um, the grandparents, and of course, he she'd leave my friend Mitch and his brother in the flat to the, for the weekend alone. So we'd be there rocking out metal in headbanging competitions, as it were. Stargazer was the one that was, can we make it to the end? And, of course, I managed to make it to the end most of the time. Um, but it's just a great track. You know, it's amazing. Really it's, for me. The, the, the drumming in the intro is ridiculous. It's so good. Oh, and when you, when you hear that drum fill, it was like, wow, you know, here we go. And yeah. everything else just keeps on getting better and better, really. Did... I mean, how important was, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about more of it as the podcast unfolds, but you've already sort of touched on them being from the Midlands and such. Like, how important and was the music from the Midlands for you growing up? Was it all around you? You know, was it something that you was kind of pushed to like, look, these are, these are from the Midlands, you need to check these out. You know, what, what, how did that sort of work for you? Well, I think um, it sort of... Always been, in, music was always around from from my mum with the radio on all the time, you know. Um, for, for her, it was more the Beatles and stuff like that, really. But I think, you know, you, you, that routine of coming home from school or whatever, watching Top of the Pops, Led Zeppelin was the theme tune for Top of the Pops in the 70s, and Slade was one of the bigger bands, you know. And, of course, they just took the road for me. 
I was aware of where these places were, but I don't think I realised the gravity of that until much much later in life. But you were, of course, your surrounding Slade was there, and of course, through a mate of mine, his auntie gave us, we sold ourselves for rock and roll, so I went to Sabbath that way, and of course, this was all around me, you know, and um, I believe Rob Alford's cousin was was uh, was living in the village at the time, and there were little things like this, and of course, a priest, and you know, and top of the pops. I mean, especially in the late seventies, early eighties, Mel was just top. It was in the top ten yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. I remember, one, I remember one time listening, thinking it was like, I think Motorhead and Girl Score in there, then Motorhead Live was in there, then Saxon was in there. Of course, different, a different town, but it was all around for me, Mel, really. And of course, being a small village in Shropshire, Ironbridge, near Ironbridge, Brosley. Of course, it's steeped in in that in history too, and it's part of the, of the Midlands as well. In some respects, it's quite close to West Midlands. And um, yeah, I mean, um, in hindsight, more so than ever now, I realised that I was kind of like, uh, baptised in heavy metal. I suppose if you want to be, go, <laughs> you, want, you, want, you, want to, you want to jump down that little cheesy kind of. Mate, I'm yeah. loving that. Yeah, so I mean, pretty much that really. The River Seven was there, and there we go. We like dumped in it, and there we go. Oh, that needs to be on the CV, baptised by metal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but what else can you say? Pretty Love much. it. So it, it was just, you know, I mean, Slade, I mean, a bit more rock and roll, of course, but still you know, angry guitars and, um, you know, the sweet, I love the sweet, just, just I love the flying Vs and the double bass drums. It was like, oh, this is brilliant, this is, I want some of this, you know. Really. I'll tell you what, Shane, one of the things, like, I've done about 530 episodes of this podcast now, and the one band that constantly gets brought up is the Sweet. And yeah, and, it, yeah. and for me, it was just growing up. It was they were like, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't put them alongside, you know, Bowie and T Rex. It, it, it didn't in my head growing up. It, it was like they were just more like the sort of glam stuff, like mud and things like that. And it's only more recently that I've actually realised just how good they were. Well, the thing, the thing is, the thing I mean, because the sweet was like. You know, the, the obvious song blockbuster for me, but the B side is incredibly heavy, mm. and, and I got invited to um after his passing went to John Peel's uh, house to go through his archives to put put a record box together. I, I didn't quite know a record box put it for some reason. I don't know why. So the Slade album was there, and I was picking out stuff, and I went through his seven inch collections. Of course, there was blockbuster. Oh, let me just play the B side, which I can't remember the life of me what it is now. I was, was it was that guitar sound? Is it still as? Because at the time, I, you know, you know, you got to think how technology moves forward and the newest distortion pedal. And as albums got heavier and heavier, but still in the seventies, I was only you know, how old would I be? Six, seven. I remember going, bloody hell, that's a heavy guitar. Yeah. I remember saying that to myself. And my little old record player, my mum was going, it's pretty, 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 pretty noisy. That's yeah, it's great, mum. And um. But I put it on on John Peel had this little record turntable and I said, God, the guitar sounds still heavy. Four years later in this day and age, you know. Yeah. And the B sides I always I think some people would always play the A sides, but I'd always play the B sides too, because they tend to be better for me. Yeah. You know, and more representation of what the suite were doing, perhaps. It's know? so interesting when you look back and you start to hear these kind of like little sort of, you know, licks and riffs that, that you just see other you know, are forming what's metal. And, you know, for me, you know, whenever I hear the opening 
you know, stabs of you really got me by the kinks. I just think, fucking hell, that's so heavy, so abrasive. And it's like you can see it, you know, where Aris manifested itself in and, and represent, you know, and, and then reemerges itself, you know, within, you know, the, the, the guitar lines in metal. You know, you can hear it. I think, I think when you're attracted to, well, whatever you're attracted to, I guess, but when you, from a musical point of view, these things, especially at early age, I know from looking at my kids, they things kind of seeping. In, into their sort of method of processing stuff or whatever, but um, yeah, you hear these riffs. I mean, you, know, you look at the. I mean, again, from the era, the Osmonds, I've known, but I love Crazy Horses because that riff was just fucking amazing. What a record! <laughs> and, it's, and, and, they, and they were really putting, they, they were pushing it a bit there. And I think, you know, I know Tank did a cover of Crazy Horses, mind blowing that was. And then you know, and the, it certainly. It, it, yeah, that was that 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 got me going on that that, that, that lovely guitar sound, you know. It's just you, and um, you can hear it coming through, and 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 I think well, I remember I slightly veering off it with Metallica. Of course, Metallica was something d- different, but then when I and I remember sort of getting rid of a few heavy metal records, and then becoming sad that I'd done it and getting them back. Yeah, realizing that the Metallica was just a little bit faster than those bands, but it was just enough to kind of make you think it was. Totally different, but they were so into that early metal as well, and it's, it's weird. And it sticks in your head, I think. You know, Absolutely. much more than that, but you know, what I'm about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shane, I'm going to ask you for track two to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. I will do, and I think well, that would uh, be Junior's Eyes by uh, Black Sabbath. Um, I got into Sabbath through Never Say Die, and, and we saw the songs for rock and roll. Um, but and of course, Never Say Die is kind of the, the last Aussie album at the time, and um, but I think there's a lot of emotion on that record for me, you know. And um, Aussie's voice sounds really, really sad, yeah. you know, and um, you know, and, and especially, and it's so mellow at the beginning, a really mellow bass line. Then when it comes in, like, I'm coming home again tomorrow. So I had this conversation with my friend Simon Effamy, who produces a few records for us and stuff. And we both freak out on the same part on that track. You know, and he's just down the road in Stairbridge, he was. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of emotion on Never Say Die as an album, I think. You know, and uh, um, I think when you make music, um, you you are uh, it's a way of uh, sort of using emotions maybe you can't always say you know yeah. I think. if you had to pinpoint the emotion that you felt hearing that for the first time what would it have been um loneliness i felt to be fair i mean i, I mean i think um i go through this quite a lot with a few few of my friends to chatting and stuff but you i look back at Child, your child, and, and I, you know, you, well, I, I like to think it was a happy child, but I think there was times when my parents weren't always there because they were working. Yeah, so all I had really was uh, my music, and uh, you know, um, yeah, at the time, yeah, that because of course the, the movies I loved to watch, which were my sort of more science fiction movies, there on it, you know, like once in a while you had three or four channels, didn't you? It's not like yeah. now where bombardment, I guess. But yeah, I mean, a bit of loneliness. You know, I felt I felt connection with whoever Junior is. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Also, Johnny Blade, Johnny, that track Johnny Blade was another one which I loved. Yeah, I felt a bit of a connection between to, to, to both of them. These fictional characters in the songs, I felt. Yeah. At a young age, you know, was you getting lost in music? Then was was that like a, a you know 
a, a comforting thing to have if you was experiencing loneliness? Um, it was comforting. I mean, you know, we had, we had our friends, and of course, but when you you know you're sort of early teens, and you, you know, it wasn't that uh, I didn't really drink. I mean, you could have. I mean, I, I looked my age, so I could get into a pub at the age of fifteen, have a couple of pints, <laughs> but um, didn't really bother with that sort of thing because I was just more into you know, the Friday Rock Show would be on and. You know, then the merciful fate would kick in, and I hear a bit of Satan's fall, and I was like, man, this is mind blowing. This is I'm loving this. You know, we a little tape recorder there, press record, make sure I got it. And Saturday mornings, I'd sit around with your mates, go, look at it. This is by merciful fate. And then I, then I heard Venom. And, but yeah, I mean, you know, but, but I remember my mum would come back because it was a social club up the road. You know, they'd come back, and they, you know, I wouldn't hear them because I'd be headphones on and I'd be rocking out to like Highway to Hell. You know, <laughs> Then to be Bon Scott, you know, and who do you want to be Bon Scott, really, back in the day? So, yeah, so it was, it was my, yeah, it was definitely my, uh, my kind of comforting comfort zone. Was it a strict diet of metal? Because, you know, if we look at, if we're talking about the sort of late 70s, you know, turn of the 80s, you know, if, if that's around the time that we're, we're sort of talking about, Shane, then it was, for me, I think one of the most interesting times in music because if you look at sort of 78 79 80 you've got the kind of tail end of punk you've got post-punk you've got what was going on in metal you've got the two-tone thing that was exploding you know you've got you've got the 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 tail end of like disco you've got the early emergence of 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 like new romantic music and synth music and and it was such a interesting time for music you know if you watch a, an episode you mentioned you know seeing episodes with girls school and stuff and saxon on there but then you're likely to see then see the specials and chic yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was such an interesting time so was other music interesting you at that point or or, or was it a sort of a, a tight diet of, of metal well, well i think because i mean i remember the age you mentioned the specials kate bush was coming in of course. um madness you know uh Human League, you know, all kinds of, and, and all my friends liked this at school. And we were kind of like, you know, you, you, I think we all liked it all, but we were a little bit afraid to say it. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, you know, it's like my friend Mitch, Mitch Dickinson, who was in a couple of bands with me, his brother loved Bowie and, um, and, and uh, a lot of the, the, the sort of synth, synth music. And um, so I'd be listening to Bowie through him, but I was really liking it, really. Mm. Uh, but, there was that kind of immaturish. Oh, I'm on, I'm on into my metal, but I, I, but it was all coming in because in latter years, yeah, when you get a bit older, you are oh, bollocks. This I'm listening to what I want, you know, yeah, you know, and especially the the eighties or new new wave, new romantic stuff, definitely sort of makes more even more sense to me now when I do my dark sky burial stuff, which is more kind of like electronic, yeah. Um, the punks around me and the Sex Pistols going, oh, this is interesting. I like this, you know. Um, and, you, and and I don't know. I think you go then you go to school and it'd be all everyone being their little factions. Of it, it was so tribal, wasn't it? Then yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not so much now. I don't think. Um, but then it was, you know. And I remember you know, I spent so doing me maths. I did a poster for every metal logos. You know, I mean, punk mate was going, "Look at you, you bloody idiot!" You know, whatever. but but we were really loving each other's music. And, and as we got more, as the teens progressed those boundaries kind of came down you know um but yeah i mean i, I mean yeah i mean so, i mean I, of course i love 
Oh, I, I, I love a lot of a lot of that stuff now. It's amazing how much of it I remember. Yeah. It, 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 so, because it, it, it was on all the time, you know, Adam would be on blasting away, you know, tribal drumming going on, and that would that must have had an impact to me because, of course, my first thing killing joke, I'm like, listen, those tribal drums, quite unrelated in some ways, but quite similar. I don't know. Um, and yeah, and uh, a lot of the, you know the uh, the um, Human League or Visage or something like that, for example, you know, uh, Japan, you know, yeah, still and, and really great stuff. Um, and this to me now, of course, I'm like it's all great, you know. But as you say, there was that tribalism when you were a kid. You're like, yeah, yeah. But what's interesting is now, you know, uh, as you said, it, it doesn't seem as tribal anymore. Like you know, I, I've got two uh, teenage daughters, and and. It's just quite everything's. I think whether it's just because of how accessible all music is now, whether it be YouTube, Spotify, whatever, that you've got everything in a split second on your on your phone. Yeah. And I think back then you could only afford you know one record every couple of weeks or whatever it was. You get yourself a single and things like that. And I think what I've seen, you know, just over the years of of, of running a, a, a an alternative nightclub, is that lots of these tribes and scenes have disappeared apart from metal and metal is still one of the only to, to my knowledge maybe there's lots of other tribes that that young people are doing that i've probably got no place in knowing about as a 50 year old man but but for me you st- will always see you know what tribe is more easily noticed than a metaler a metaler's you know the, the uniform hasn't changed that much over the last 30 40 years it's still pretty much you know Black metal T-shirt and you know, yeah, and it's yeah. and and I think metals, as far as like youth culture and tribal tribalness in in scenes and music, I think it's completely consistently solid. Yeah, it's, it, I think I think for a, for a small time, small period, where it kind of that, that kind of classic denim cut off leather kind of disappeared. That doesn't disappeared. Not certainly not in Europe. It didn't. That was for sure. Yeah, it's, it's come back tenfold over here again. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I mean, it's true, it, 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 is, it is, it is, it's unmistakable, really, where some of the scenes seem to have kind of melted into, not one, but less, less obvious, that kind of, but metal, yeah, it's, uh, there's something about that um, imagery, I guess, yeah, exactly. everyone has to, particularly logo and the symbols and stuff, it's all about that, I think, but, um I don't know. I mean, there's obviously the subject matter lyrically can be dark in all forms of music. Yeah. More prevalent, supposedly, maybe in metal. And of course, that is attached to symbolism and stuff like that, I guess, to represent those kind of bit, that, those kind of uh, metaphors, I guess, in some ways. But yeah, it, yeah, it, is, it is interesting. And, um, but of course, it, everything is a bit more accessible now, you know. I don't I mean, yeah, visually probably not as tribal, but I I, I wonder if, if the, I mean I, I I have to ask my daughter to see how that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can sense how they're sort of splitting off into their, what they like and what they don't like. You yeah, know, sure. Um, I just but I do obviously remembering from back when I was growing up, there was a real heavy. You know, I'm into this, you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Tell me the song while we're we're, we're talking about these formative years. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Shane, tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Um, well, that was a tough one, to be fair. And then, But then I thought really hard about it. And I thought, well, um, our friend's electric. Well, two way I'm friends enough because, um, or Gary Newman, whichever you want to say, but... Um, um, and get, it kind of leads on well from what we were saying because I was totally into my metal. Like, I fucking love the synths on that on that track. It was like I was like, because I, I kind of liked, I, I loved my sci-fi movies, all my Doctor Who films, or Tomorrow's People, all these vintage synths at the time, of course, which they were. And so this, I said, this sounds amazing, and that, but that vo- voice was very, very cold in a way, but piercing. And and again, whilst I was loving my metal, I just couldn't help but love the rhythm of this. Of this, you know, this, I think a lot of that electro music is very, you know, four four or whatever. And, and it um, chugs, doesn't it? That it chugs, it, and, and oh, the it's, are fucking heavy. Like, I think that's probably what it was, and it's just like, you know, even like nowadays, you know, I listen to some of that stuff, and I'm like, there's no power of those synths. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and it, definitely, I mean, if, I, there's no way. I mean, that's the forerunner of industrial music. It must be hundred percent, hundred. You know, must, must be. You know, um, and of course, my friend was a massive Jew, which says he'd always be playing it, and I'd be like, "Wow, oh, let's like, listen to that," and I'd be like, "You know, I should have said I really love this," and just said bollocks to it, but I was a bit like in a corner, sheepish, you know, with my Saxon shirt on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been. Uh, but no, that, that that really reminds me just in the classroom. You know, you get those times where you could like, bring a bit of your music in to play and stuff like that. And she brought it to my friend, friend Angela, who's back in the village still. She would she brought she bring that in to play uh, amongst other things. And I'm like, oh, this I really like this. is a really powerful, yeah. you know, radio and stuff. And of course, you kind of once you start getting to that, you, see, you know, you look at the Human League or Spandau Ballet or you know, whichever. Um, but see, and there's this one thing I, I forget the name. I always forget the name of the artist, and it, so I started getting into synthesizer, all the synthesizer stuff. And there's this track called Einstein and Go Go. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, of course. And I loved that track. Loved it. It's just so manic, mm. you know. And of course, I think that was responsible for me getting into other stuff. The kind of quirky keyboards. Loved it. And I, and I went out. And I know you got your yes, but these Spotify's or whatever. So I was like, well, who did that? And I can't, the landscape is the one. 
landscape. And I'm like, I love that. And it was, yeah, you start making it, you start putting two and two together, yeah. really. And it's, it's so true. You talk about the, the, the influence that Newman had, uh, you know, on, on the industrial scene because, you know, you later see him joining Trent Reznor on stage and, and, and performing with Nine Inch Nails, who have long championed, you know, Gary Newman as, as, as a big influence. And, and it's and, and I love joining those sort of dots. You know, you look That's at great. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, your KMFDMs and your Nitzarebs and that they were all absolutely sort of. I, I, I think you know a lot of them will probably you know tip their cap to to craft work. You know, for for for, for yeah, being yeah, yeah. electronic pioneers. <laughs> but I think in regards to bringing that hardness and them thick yeah. sanding simps. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think you know Newman was the pioneer there, and you're right. Yeah, they, that coldness to his voice—that's a really yeah, important yeah. part. I, I, I think when you when you, when you say joining the dots, you know, because I, I, and I find can I explain? It's hard to explain this correctly, or whatever. But you get you get to a rock into my metal. But if you love music, I think it's what it was. It was loving the music because on the sideline, all this stuff was coming in. And so now I'm forever going, oh. I just, you know, I'll, I'll remember a, a band from the 70s and 80s. And then I'll go, oh, who was that member? Then I'll see where he went. I'll, oh, he did this. Oh, when he worked with him. Yeah. Oh, I love all this. And then I'll go, oh, did, who's that? Not over that band. I'll just click on it. It's fucking amazing, too. It's like four, a, hours <laughs> yeah, four hours later. Four hours later. It's a little musical anthropology thing going on, really. You know? And it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, it's, and I love it. You know, I love Japan. So what is, what's David Sylvian doing now? Who's doing this? So oh, that's pretty quirky. That is when he worked with someone. So. Then, I, then I see these these quotes where, like, where like Brian Eno and Bowie working together and they, they got a new synthesizer and they threw the manual at the, at the window. And, and I said, well, I like that because I'm fucking... Catch that manual myself. I just have a dive and see what goes on. And I'm like, this is. And I find it all really, really nice and inspiring. To be, to be honest, you know that some of these people who made great music will probably, you know, see what just see what happens. Like you try, like we like we try and do. You know, the my daughter comes back from school. And she's like, oh, I've got to learn the guitar. Dad, can you teach me a guitar chord? I'm like, I fucking don't. I couldn't tell you what it is. I could tell you. <laughs> I don't know what, exactly what it is. You know, then it, I'm like, oh, what, what's going on here? But um, yeah. so all that stuff's really good. The joining of the dots, I love it. You know, well, you know, we, we, we're talking about a, a song that soundtrack your years at school. Tell me, tell me about school. Did, did you enjoy it? I think uh, the sort of five to eleven period, I really enjoyed it. There's a couple of teachers I connected with. You know, there was the one teacher who'd be like, "Well, today we're studying so and so. Why are you drawing a picture of Spider-Man climbing up the wall?" And I'm like, "Well, but whereas the other teacher was quite encouraging of that kind of escapist sort of whatever, you know." Um, I went to secondary school, and I think it was all right at first. I guess um, you know, always you, you get the initial fear because you you go to a bigger school. Um, and then, you know, you're all the, the tales back then, of course. Oh, yeah, you're going to get your head flushed down the toilet. I'm like, I'm like, bloody hell, I'm not there with this. And then, um, of course, that never happened. Um, and uh, But made a lot of friends there, really. Um, but because it was only about, again, village area, it was only four miles away. And I think after the third year, there was a little bit of bullying going on between, from some people. I was quite big at school, hair, you know, that kind of vibe and, you know, you're into your metal, and, and uh, by, in my year, everyone was pretty cool. But there was a few, a few above me, 
were a little bit, you know, a bit mean, really. And I took it a bit personally. And not just me, a couple of my other mates as well. <laughs> so, of course, you couldn't do this now, but you know, we'd sign into the register. They would just walk home, yeah. you know, which is what we do. Um, and get covered like you know, you know, it was art yesterday. I was really good. Well, that's a sh- that's strange because Mr. So and so saw you taking a bloody football <laughs> in the field down the road, you know, detention for a month. Um, and that was that, but um, but I don't think, I mean, ultimately, you know, in hindsight, I don't think it was, it was that bad. I mean, these are the things you have to deal with, but um, you stand your ground and try and be who you are. Yeah. I find it. Now, as being a father, with today's standards and pressures on children, it's, for me, it's a bit hard to relate because I'm lucky enough to have done what I did and uh, here where I am. And but I don't take it for granted, so it's hard to translate that in a family setting, you know. Uh, I guess because my wife's a bit more more academic, I suppose, than me in some ways, whatever that means. And um, so it gets interesting conversations sometimes. Yeah. There to how to try and say the, the right, the, the, the most beneficial thing for my daughter to move forward you know yeah. really but um yeah it was it was um it was all right I, I, I guess i mean in the end i mean yeah i think a lot of people we get bullied and stuff and it's how you come through it really yeah. you know yeah. i guess absolutely tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop please shane and that would be slade again um literally five minutes from where i lived uh well, um there was a bicycle shop, stroke record shop. That was that was what it was. So you go there was so many hybrid shops, wasn't there? Was in my town, it was a toy shop that sold records. Oh, brilliant! And yeah, there was a news, and I also remember later on the news agent down the road. That's where I bought the four solo Kiss albums from. Yeah, you know, one ninety nine each. I was like, oh, I'm having them all of them. But um, and um, but yeah, in the early so I go in, and I think at the time the Slade movie might have come out. Perhaps at the time was it Slade movie? I think it was a Slade movie, or am I confusing it with someone else? It's someone like, Slade in Flames. In Flames, that's it. Yeah, so the track album was there, I think. Or, or but Goodbye to Jane was there, the singer. I remember. I mean, mum, mum used to buy me a Slade single every every week, every other week. It seemed like there was always a new one, or maybe I was just catching up. I don't know at the time. You know, you remember it's a bit. Oh, vague at those times, but uh, so it was goodbye to Jane, and I had a little Jane got me a little one speaker box thing, you know, you put your records on, you know, and uh, so that was uh, the 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 the, um, the first the first uh, kind of seven inch I got really, you know, I'm not going to count Rupert Bear really, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really count, does it? You know? But I mean, the, the, the thing is with Slade, it's like I'm so glad that they kind of had. You know that that absolute sort of boom in the you know I guess coming out of glam uh, and and into the eighties and and I think I think it was, it was Oasis that would cover come on feel the noise in in the nineties and 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 I, I remember Noel Gallagher you know saying that Slade was like the, one of the biggest influences on Oasis ever he said that <laughs> it was one of my favourite quotes ever uh, from him he said. Uh, yeah, they wrote proper geezers tunes, but looked like fucking diddy men. And I well, yeah, yeah. the I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. This is yeah. But I, I was that kind of weird, larger than life, or you know, diddy men, smaller than life, I suppose. Yeah. But, but 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 um, yeah. It's uh, what a voice, Noddy Older's got. It was great. Well, it was powerful and commanding, wasn't so it? So good, you know. And um, I don't know something about those. Uh, 
watching Tyler Pops as a kid, you know, and just like, I don't know, I mean, um, it's like a gathering when they were just jumping around and, you know, they were the all the crazy shaped guitars and I loved it every week. You know, my dad was a bit more kind of, he loved it. He, he loved his, he used to play in like brass bands and stuff. So to him, it was a bit like, he, he didn't get it, but my mom loved it. She thought it was really good. And so I got the support from there. But, you know, there was, um, this that's what it called, but yeah, that 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 I seemed like I was getting it for 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 a while. I seemed like I was getting a Slade seven inch almost every other week. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah, right. As you said, if you was you know you you, you was a kid that was into sci-fi and, and and stuff like that, you know when you'd look at Daveil or the Sweet, they looked like they were beamed down from fucking space, didn't they? Oh well, yeah, there, there was that. Well, because and you see it now, I suppose, but it was very. In the seventies, the like the colourful it was colourful, wasn't it? You know, everything was odd shapes and he had he had specially making guitars and I was like, This is amazing and but yeah, you're right, like it's almost like uh, live views and the banana splits. Yeah. You know what, I suppose. Um and it, okay, yeah, it was great. Yeah, to me, and just uh but it it picked you up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I think that's everyone comes from different angles with their music or what they want to do, I suppose. But I like I, I, I teeter between the darkness and the light a lot. So, but but you know, I do like songs that pick me up. I love a track that's going to go like, oh, I felt a bit miserable five minutes ago, but I feel absolutely chuffed now. That's always good, you know. So, uh, and Slade did that for me, you know. I'm always interested to know, like, how people, if they, you know, they wake up and they're feeling shit and uh, what, what their sort of reach out is for that. Because for me, if I'm feeling pretty rubbish, like I will kind of immerse myself in it. I'll drag out some Nick Cave records and and a bit of Leonard Cohen, and I and I'll I'll just I'll just wallow in it for a little bit. You know, do you sort of do that, or, or, or you know, as, as you mentioned there, we say, will you put on something more up and and try and sort of you know use it to pull yourself? You well, know, I, I think I think sometimes, or like most of the time, depending on who you are as a person, I know that. And this, I battled battle this a few more so the past few years. Um, I am a bit of an escapist, you know. So sometimes, no one, because we, I think most of us are. Reality, sometimes you go, oh, God, not today. It's overrated, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. sometimes you go, not in it this morning. And I was a bit in a bit, bit of a mood this morning, to be fair, actually, honestly. And I went down to drop, drop my kids off. I mean, a mate of mine, Carvers, who plays in Gong, and they uh, sent me a new Gong video. And I was like, Fucking hell, this is amazing. And then in five minutes, I was like, boof, big old beamy smile, chuffed, you know. Um, so, and, he just, and I said, mate, you just totally made my morning, you oh, know. And, fantastic. Um, and yeah, it, it, I, I, can you explain that 100%? It's just that it, it is always a balance, and you have, we, have to get into, we have to get in the doldrums of, of, no, of whatever normal things, but a bit of good music will pick you up, and I, I you yeah, know, or. It's more in tune with who you are, I suppose. Yeah, really, yeah. but we have to. We all have to shuffle along, and you know. But yeah, it's a bollock sometimes. This is where we just want to rock out. To be honest, that's what I think. You know, and sometimes you have to, and then yeah. you feel better. Yeah, you know, then after after how you go, you know, I don't know. What was I get? What was I moaning about? Yeah, feel better. And so. So tell me a little bit now, as as we kind of sort of get out of of, of school and 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 you know you know into the daunting real world, um, tell me a little bit about how this this kid that would lose himself in heavy metal records found himself in Napalm Death. 
because of uh, the sort of quest as we sort of talked about with music um from heavy metal i discovered venom um bought their record and that sort of blew my mind and then one of my friends one of my best friends mr dickinson from he played in Harris's old hardcore band for a while and Cool bands with him. His his stepbrother was into punk rock, so he got me into Dead Kennedys, Exploited. So I started crossing over, you know, through the mid eighties. Uh, magazine called Metal Forces. Uh, back of that, I had like the pen pal thing. So I, so I saw Bill Steer's name. He joined Napalm. He's also a Carcass guitarist. Name. He introduced me to a bunch of other bands through tape trading, and then I got the call. Uh, then we got invited to go to a pub called the Mermaid, which is up the road from me in Birmingham. It's not there anymore. It's called something else. Napalm Death were playing alongside a bunch of bands. So that's, I saw Napalm Death March 86. Floored me. I was like, this is the best band I've ever seen. Became really good friends with them. And started to hang out with them, you know, the, the, the joys of... I was working at the time, quit my job. I said, I'm going to the Dell. I'm going to hang out with mate Mickey, the drummer. My dad goes, what? You're not even joining the band? I says, well, maybe, hopefully at some point. I says, but at the moment, I'm going to hang out with him in Brum. It's fun. Uh, and I used to go to gigs and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually uh, got asked if, if I'd want to join after the first album came out. There was a period I could have joined in between A and B of the first album, but it got a bit, I think I lost my bottle, really. Uh, and then finally joined just after the record came out, you know. But they, all that, that all that scene was, that was happening here in 86, 87, hardcore punk, I guess. But they were starting to cross over into some death metal stuff that I liked. And everything was kind of meshing, you know. I introduced them, some of them to the tape trading scene that I was involved with the States and everywhere else. And all of a sudden we had our scene to promote over there too. So it was a really good way of networking, you know. And uh, yeah, and then um, that was it. I was in and on bass, you know. So had some songs. <laughs> I was, I was some early shows. How did it feel, sort of, um, you know, being in the band that you was, you know, a huge fan of? Uh, I mean, um, the, the strangest thing is we did a, a John Peel session before I'd even played a gig. So that was that was nerve wracking because in the Maidervale studios are very very huge corridors. Remind me of some Doctor Who episode actually, but um. But um, so that was nerve-wracking because all of a sudden you're on radio. I was like, this is totally bizarre. Yeah. Kind of all dreamed of in a way, but it's still bizarre. Um, and then we eventually played, I think, a show in Nottingham, a club called The Garage, which is, I don't think there anymore, um, supporting a band called DRI. And um, that was kind of nerve-wracking because my friend Jimmy used to play bass in the A-Pong was in the front row rocking out. And I was like, well, this is a bit odd, you know. Yeah. Um, I think I think because we rehearsed a little bit, but not loads, because I think people marvel at the fact that something we, we just seemed to be able to do what we did, and we didn't. We didn't, we didn't I mean, we weren't practicing every day. It was like once in a while, and just getting together when we could. It just we just did what we did, and the songs were a bit more basic back then. But you, it was you do it, and you'd sit there and wonder what just happened. I think you know, for for the first few gigs, I was like, what just happened? Mm. Yeah, we're we're loving it, but I don't think we we could really process. The reaction, you know, everything that was going on at that time around Napalm just seemed weird, really good, but odd, surreal, I suppose. Was you was you a confident team? No, oh, oh no, 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 I wasn't very. I was always a bit. Um, I still am a little bit. Um, um, I can I can go and I mean I can go on stage and play two hundred thousand people, but I get nervous walking in Sainsbury's. 
That's that's yeah. what I was going to ask. Like, you know, how do you kind of sort of, you know, as you said, you wasn't confident. Like, there, there must have been a period of, you know, as the band got bigger and bigger, was it a gradual thing of all of a sudden, right, look, we're not playing in this, this sort of small, you know, uh, venue, we're now playing this venue, oh, we're now supporting this band and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Was it a gradual thing that you got more used to sort of being on stage in front of, you know, huge crowds? Or, you know, and, and also tell me, have you got a little routine bef- like for you that you do before you walk on stage? I think um, you will gradually get used to it. And I don't. Th- I think in the earlier days, I don't think Lee and Boo were ever totally comfortable with it. And I think a small part of the reason why they decided to move on, other reasons as well. But um, you did become more comfortable. I became more comfortable when Jesse and Mitch joined Nabon Death mm. because, I mean, this is, is the, the old neighbor house, Danny Adrum's downstairs. Um, but we all lived here for years, and that, that boosted my confidence. I had these, I mean, I don't want to go to some mad psychological, psychological rant, but they became brothers, you know, to me, and it was a family. And so that helped my confidence a little bit. In a way, we were there for each other, really, and um, we liked playing shows live, and it was getting bigger and stuff. And um, But then, of course, you can get swept away by that if you're not careful. Yeah, that's what, this is the mask you wear, or you know, being in a band or whatever. Because you've got to come back to reality, and sometimes in the nineties it was very hard to because you come off, you come off uh, a tour, a couple of shows, and then like oh, tomorrow James Addiction's playing down the road, or two days time, Chili Peppers are playing, or Sonic Youth playing, or I mean, and also at the time in the early nineties, I became friends with Billy from Faith No More. They, they were taking off and. You know, I'd read, I'd read the back. Oh, the guy from Jesus Jones likes Napalm. I like Jesus Jones. I'll go and say hello to them. And all this really great stuff was going on, you know. Wonder stuff were playing. And I was, friends, and I was like, terrible just for going out. So it's really hard to come back down to earth sometimes, yeah. you know. Great, but... Because at that you know, point, Stuffies and Neds, they they were all, yeah. all, all Midlands bands blowing up big time, weren't they? And 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 the other guys in Napalm as well because we we just lived in this very house. Yeah, we would just play the stereos would be on. Yeah, different. And we'd just be loving each other's music, you know. And yeah. um and yeah, I mean, I remember going. We went we went drinking to this club called Tracines in Brum on a Monday night, and then I think Rat from Neds was there. Graham from the Poppies was there. Graham jumped on my back, and I fell on him. I thought I killed him. <laughs> It was all right. Oh, my God, you know. Um, Don't even think of the poppies, of course. And, uh, and of course, Simon, who FME is our sound engineer, but producer, he produced Paradise Last and Morphe Records, Wild Arts, but good mate of mine for way back in the day. We're both metalers. Um, of course, he works with the stuffies, you know, works with the poppies from Stairbridge. All these mad connections, you know. And, and so, yeah, we come off tour. It was really hard to bring it down. And now, when I get older, I'm older. It's a little bit different now because I have my, my, my family is very hard to balance it. And I have to, my wife's very good at telling me that, you know, you're not on bloody stage and that sort of thing, you know, so to speak. And, um, but, um, you know, in the early, earlier on, I mean, I was quite nervous, um, really. And it, it, it is hard to, because you, I'm lucky to, I'm privileged to be doing what I'm doing, what I've always wanted to do, but you still hope to think that you're, Reasonably down to earth, you you know, as, as you can be. Of course. So, um, yeah, it's a strange one. There's a, I mean, that 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 sort of scene that we've just spoke about there, from Faith No More to James, to you know, to, to, to that that's like 
my golden age of being. Oh, you know, I was about nineteen then, and it was everything and more, or you know, everything that was exploding in music at that point. As as somebody that that that, that loved metal, and we we you know we see certainly with the the two bands you've mentioned there took it in different directions. You know, Faith No More for me, one of the greatest bands have ever walked this planet, and 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 I'll probably say the same for Jane's Addiction, and you know. Tell me what it was like seeing, you know, them bands earlier, you know, in them their sort of embryonic stages, them first sort of like tours, and seeing the craziness that was that was James and the same with, with, with Faith No More. And were you fans of that kind of, you know? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that was the thing for me before Mitch and Jess came over and joined the band. But you know, there was Sands, there was NME, and I used to go for a part. You know, we would get featured on NME, but I'd go, "Oh, who is this band called James Addiction?" I really. I thought the sound of this, so but nothing shocking. I didn't know it wasn't aware of the live album that came out before at first. And then, of course, once I find out that I have to have everything, you know, and that's how I am. Um, but I, I, I loved it, and, and it was the same with Faith No More before Mike joined the band. I, I, I got through, into Faith No More for the second album through my friend's friend, their brother. And so I got to see them in the, in the earlier days, and it was just, uh, to me, it was the same energy for yeah. me. You know, and I started off as a drummer briefly originally and then moved on, but loved the rhythms and and, and that was the thing when Napalm tried to move in different directions. We always kept the heaviness, but we loved those beats of uh, Jane's or the Pump Touching Pumpkins or whatever. We found them just exciting. But yeah, watching them was great um, in, the, in the early days. When I, I, went, I, remember I went to stay with Mitch back home in Vegas and we went to see Jane's Addiction at the uh, Hollywood Blade in three days in a row. I think it was Jane's. I think who, who played it was it was it, it was Primus. Fucking Primus Pixies. Pixies Pixies the Primus and Jane's Addiction, all three bands I loved. You know, I remember I remember I went into this pit in the pit for Jane's Addiction and this guy grabbed me this Mexican he goes, You're the guy from Napalm Death. He said, Yeah, and he threw me back in. <laughs> and I was like, 30 seconds. I was like, I'm never going in the pit ever again. That's I'm too long. <laughs> I was at the age of about mid twenties. It's like, it just insanely crazy. I'm yeah. for Jane's you know, I mean, Jane's, you know, musically probably different from Nabon, but the, the reaction to them was just insane. Yeah. Becoming friends with the guys and Faith No More after loving them too much was really nice, you know, yeah. to, to lovely, they're all lovely guys. We, play, we managed to play a couple of shows with them uh, a few Incredible. years. And just like they're most courteous, lovely people, really, you know, and um, yeah, the 90s, I loved it. it was, all these new bands coming out. I was like, oh, let me check my bloody Valentine and see what they're all about. Let me check Sonic Youth there. And I loved it all. I mean, you mentioned two bands there that, that, that are two of my favourite bands. Um, and, I mean, I, I guess what you could say about both, you know, Loveless and Daydream Nation or Dirty, it is just a sonic assault of glorious noise, isn't it? It's great stuff, and and to me it was you know all of it just yeah, and I, I wanted, and I've tried to, and I've hopefully succeeded to try and incorporate that into Napalm over the years. Yeah, to with what Napalm does, and so well, I'd sit there, what's Thurston Moore? Of course, they had lots of different two string guitars. I didn't know this at the time, so I was trying to play what Thurston's doing. I'm like, how the hell am I doing this? But so you do your own thing, of course, Killing Joke and Geordie and all that, and all that great. I try to bring that into to Napalm, but yeah, just I mean. My boy Valentine, I was like, how the hell? It sounds like it's slowing down. It's been slowing it's crazy, down. Right? When you're partying a little bit, so to speak, you know, you're going, bloody hell, this is woo. And, um, <laughs> you know, but, but killer. And um, 
all that stuff just it's you know it just so it would soak into my uh my my brain to to come out in other ways i suppose years later i guess all amazing bands and song live and it's great you know you, you talk partying so so let's let's get track five in that's the song that soundtrack your years partying that would be the uh she sanctuary by the cult i think because uh, no I, I, was, I was just gonna i don't mean to interrupt you there but that that record shane right if that come out tomorrow no one would know that that was nearly 40 years old because it still sounds so fresh so vital so fucking incredible what a record right it's it's lots of energy you know um and coming from because you're getting into some of the the, the hardcore punk bands and a lot of those, some of those punk bands obviously oscar do or Bangle seven seconds started to become more melodic and that was my stepping stone and my friends said, well check out this band the cult and i love jangly guitars you know i love just the hook lines you know and the cult has loads of them like the mission does as well you know and um i love all that stuff and the nightclubs in it this is a club called edwards number eight in brumman on a thursday friday you know we'd be there for and saturday sometimes just like you know just the, 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 the hook the hook line to that that track is and it goes off it's like well you know yeah. it's, it means business it does it's amazing you know and uh, many a night you know just standing there at my mind yeah yeah you're afraid to talk to someone because i'm too shy and uh you go back with me mate well i'm sure she liked me you two bollocks to talk with you <laughs> i said yeah so what well, and court was on of course and that'd be it you know that was what it was you know it was brilliant fantastic fantastic i'm gonna take you home for this one shane and uh, for track six uh, a favorite song from an artist from your home county please Oh, that, that was that was a real tricky one, to be fair. And and I had to think about it. And I thought and I thought um, the band Baby Bird of, yeah. all, of all things because because uh, I, I remember I said I'm like, who, who can I think and it was to pay. And I thought, well, no, I'm not really a to pay fan. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I but I did like Baby Bird. That, that one album, the uh, the old thing, it was 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 um was um again really jangly, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, uh, and um, I didn't realise it from a guy from from, from Telford until 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 till much later. But uh, around you know, around about that nineties uh, again, I think it was mid nineties. It was, and, um, yeah. And um, yeah, I just it's it's, it's uh, I suppose because we'd also what we'd do that the, the, we all three of us together we'd have our session and the mid midweek it would be in this place called Snobs more studenty, so that was always on. That yeah. was. And I, was like, oh, and, I, and I get confused for thinking it was another band at one point. Yeah. And I thought, um, no, it's not them. And I thought, oh, baby. And so, that, yeah. And then it's, when you asked me this question, and I was like, it was, a bit of, it was a bit of a tricky one to think about. And I thought, oh, there you go. That was good. It was great. It's, uh, and and it, a Baby Bird, I mean, it's essentially Steve. I can't remember Stephen's second name. Um, escapes me. Um, but he's prolific. Uh, at releasing records like they, they just come thick and fast and 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 i think he's he, he's such an underrated artist i think you know people just go oh what the guy that sang you're gorgeous and it's like oh there's yeah. i mean just check the album out that album's fantastic yeah yeah it's great yeah, yeah. And, and and he's done so much more since then as well and he just don't know i, I, I don't know if the press fell out the music press fell out of love with him i don't know but he, he just seemed to 
I think the album that came after that was a little bit different from that. It was, yeah. I think um, they, sometimes how the press can be or whichever, they quite can be quite fickle, you know. Um, and now you've told me that bit. I need to go and check out some other stuff that he's done there. Now yeah. you've told me that's, again, the stepping stone thing. I'm off, I'm, I'll have to have a look. Um, but, yeah, that, could, that can happen, something. I mean, you can get noticed for one particular thing. I mean, because there's some great tunes on there, but and it's reflective of the time, I think. Yeah, yeah Um and then of course I, 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 the second out well it's not the second album, but the other album after this is um is it's a bit different yeah. and maybe it was why he just wants to probably wants to do something different i suppose you know yeah, yeah. Like, that's not always popular with some people when you want to do your own thing i don't know whatever you know yeah totally totally well look this is a, the, the 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 last track now uh shane and this is a song uh that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear please well i think if I can get this, uh, my brain is, here we go, bear with me. Oh, hold on a minute. My phone is frozen up and I've got to jog my memory. Here we go. Oh, well, cool, it's that, isn't it? Sorry, uh, uh, is this the life by Cardiac? <laughs> okay. Um, tell me, Tell me about the Cardiacs because they 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 seem to be music's best kept secret, and so many people don't know about them. Tell t- tell my listeners why people should go and explore the Cardiacs. Because I think, um, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know about them, but um, they just you either get them or you don't get them. But if you get them, they become such an important part of your life. I think there's so much emotion within their music. Um, and is this a life is a little bit more, I suppose, if there's ever a word mainstream for them, because a lot of the stuff is quite eclectic in sounds, punky, proggy, um, which which kind of goes on from when we talked about stuff like the specials or, or, or Madness earlier. Yeah. It's elements of Scar that, 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 that go through the cardiacs, but also so much other stuff. So much, yeah. Um, but... Uh, and, uh, I just find them a beautiful band, you know, and a, a band that if it's going to be a band that's going to cheer you up, it's going to be the Cardiacs. It's going to make you smile and make you feel that you know, life's worth living, and it's good, you know. Um, I got to be, again, I got to be friends with, with with the guys and the wonderful people. Timmy unfortunately passed away a few years back, but um, just um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose in some ways people who know me, they probably know that I love the Cardiacs, I guess, but um. It just, they just, it's just genius, really, and um, I don't think anyone come close to, to, to capturing their majesty. I guess absolutely, really. absolutely. Shane, we spoke about so many other people's music. Um, let's talk about what you're up to. What's what's happening? Um, well, let me think. Um, I've got obviously I'm up to on my band camp. I got up to my eighth Dark Sky Berry album already, which is. Uh, Kind of sort of soundscapey, soundtracky. Um, that it's you know me sort of meandering through my synths, and it's a bit of, bit of a therapy for me really. That uh, uh, this earlier this year, Banco Venomous Concept, which is a kind of punky project I have with the guy from Real Truth, mm-hmm. and we released that record on Graphite. Records earlier called Good Chip Lollipop, a bit more different from what the earlier albums, a bit more mid paced. Okay. Um, and then I've got a few other various projects sort of bubbling under. I've got something I've uh, just finished uh, where it's more kind of in that uh, 
semi sort of industrial kind of cardiac dance um movement it's it's, it's, it's well what it does musically it, it encompasses a lot of a lot of everything um the, the 80s stuff that we talked about you know sure. me and Sam, we were recording it and um um we haven't, I haven't decided the name of it yet uh, really but i've started singing on this as well and actual singing so it's uh, very very different for what i've done yeah. before but you that's one of the things you'll hear it and go oh i hear about that i hear about that and yeah, so yeah. messed in and squished now a lot of that 80s stuff that we talked about is is in there and mixed in with the guitars and yeah you know um Bit of a sort of confessional album. My friend always tells me he thinks it's the past few years of, you know, pandemic post yeah. working my life out kind of stuff. And then, of course, I'm um, putting stuff together for the next Napalm album, which will be, uh, I hope, hopefully we can start it first quarter next year, really. And um, there's a couple of other things going on, but nothing that's coming out as yet. It's just, uh, I'm here with me. My synths and me, me guitars, and I'm always popping away at something really yeah shane if people want to keep up to speed with all of these projects and and, and everything that's happening with you where's the best place to sort of keep up to speed mate well it's probably the instagram which is like shane just shane napalm i think it is yeah and um that's about the best one where i tend to be reasonably active you know and and stuff at the moment doing the book thing which is interesting uh, i mean um just to do that it's a bit different for me really but how's yeah. that been as an experience it's been good. I mean, um, it came at the right time, I think. I think when the pandemic kicked, you know, and we didn't know what we were doing with you. And I was like, God, I've never been at home for more than six weeks. And mm. so I was doing that. And then it was it was uh, um, offered, would you like to do a book? I'm like, well, it's something creative. I could, I, yeah, sure. I'll. And so I managed to have a reasonable memory for it all, you know. And uh, so then doing this, is, it's been nice. It's nice to talk about music. Yes, this, is, this is great. This is what I like to talk about. I mean, Napalm tends to be a little bit different ways. Bond is a lot of the press, so lyrically, it's more lyrically based, which is cool. But I love to talk about music. That's me, you know, and what what fires creativity, you know, and, and stuff. So the book's been good, good, good for, for doing interviews exactly like this, you know, so it makes me happy, really. <laughs> Fantastic. Shane, um, if it's all right with you, then um, I'll tag you uh, in all the, the the posts about this episode uh, on Instagram. So if people aren't following you already, then they can they can do so. Yeah, sure. I think I think I think I have a, there's a Facebook thing which is Shane T Embry. I think it is. Okay. You'll find me. Yeah, there's there's two. There's me. Per, well, it's not even personal, but yeah, Shane T Embry. I guess you know. I suppose. And, we, we, uh, we'll tag you in everything, mate. Um, Shane, it's been a real delight talking talking records and it's been it's been a, a beautiful surprise because i think when i initially you know saw the email that that, that, that you was doing press i thought oh, this is gonna be incredible i did not think i'd be talking about synth pop and and sonic youth uh with shane oh, no, 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 it's been no, no, it's been no, lovely love all that stuff I, I, it's it's never ending the journey through music and that's what that's what that's what i love it's always discovering something new absolutely yeah. absolutely it's great yeah. shane I'm going to press stop, but don't go anywhere. Right, mate. Oh, how delightful was that? What an absolute top lad Shane was. And uh, who thought we'd be speaking Jane's Addiction, you know, My Bloody Valentine, Human League, Gary Newman. You know, your preconceptions of people, you know, are always wrong, always wrong. 
And uh, and it's the beautiful thing when you get talking to people that are obsessed with music that the stuff that they're famous for is not necessarily always super representative of the stuff that they listen to. And uh, and yeah, oh, that was a, an absolutely delightful chat. And I even got to chat about my favourite scene, that early 90s scene. Got to talk about, I mean, if you're from the Midlands, how could you not, you know, uh, in the in the early 90s be obsessed with the stuffies and Neds and such. So, uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful chat. As mentioned at the beginning, um, if you'd love to, you know, say thank you, then the, the, the best way you can is to, uh, go over to the, the 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 link in the show notes to buy me a coffee. You can just go over there and buy me a coffee. I love a cup of coffee. Um, that sounds crazy, but just click the link. Um, uh, alternatively, I'd love it if you become a Patreon and support the podcast. Um, like I say, it's a dollar a month, and uh, and you get loads of st- extra stuff for that as well. Um, but ultimately, you are um, supporting the podcast, which is a labour of love, and uh, and I hope I've kept you entertained for, for for well over 500 episodes so um and as also mentioned at the beginning if this is your first time listening go and explore that back catalogue you've got loads of catching up to do. i mean we mentioned the one stuff um just a moment ago there uh had a fantastic chat uh with miles hunt um a few years ago and i think we mentioned jesus jones on the podcast uh, i've been really lucky to uh, to have cable breaker Ian Baker um, of, of Jesus Jones on the podcast and uh, and so many uh, other incredible artists and if you like your noisy stuff then uh, well I've had I've had Tommy Lee and Motley Crue and I've had Mastodon on I've had Anthony Shikari and I can't think it was Papa Roach um, who else have I had on Judas Priest uh, yeah I've had some some absolute bangers and uh, and they're all there to be enjoyed for free uh i'll be back next time in the meantime um be nice to each other i will see you soon bye bye